Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Winnipeg Jets fans. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, one of your hosts, and I'm here with my good friend Chris. We're doing this in person. We haven't done it in person for a long time, but it's the time. Because why are we doing this in person? We got kicked out of the Winnipeg Ice game. Wow. We got kicked out. Let's be easy on that. Because people would think that that's possible with me being involved. But yeah, can I got go? kicked out of the Great Cup in 1999 in Vancouver. So. And we still hold it against you. Yeah, well. No, we went to the ice game with no tickets in hand on December 28th. That's when we're recording, which is a significant day besides the ice we're yes. going to go to. Um, but uh, it was sold out. So we left. So now we're back at Chris's place recording. In person, so this should be extra special and way more dynamic than usually because we could see each other. We won't interrupt nearly half as much, maybe twice as much. Um, but today is my 40th birthday. So go ahead, Chris. Say it. I'll be on record. Say happy birthday to me. Go ahead. I was going to say the reason why it makes this day special yes. is that it's 28 days after my birthday. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's right. so, Which I always forget is in September. Yeah. September no, no. 19th. Okay. November 30th. And who do you share a birthday with? We've talked about this before. Alicia Cuthbert. No. Ben Stiller. Bo no. Jackson. No. Um, Marco Dano. Marco Dano. And Murat Atesh. And Murat Atesh. I was Atesh. trying to keep friend it jet-centric. Of, friend of the podcast. Yeah, he's, he's an acquaintance of the podcast. He hasn't been on for a while. Yes. So, I don't know. I don't know if he talks about us. We should talk about him. Yeah, well, happy birthday, AJ. Happy birthday, Murat and Marco Dano and Chris um, from November 30th. Yeah. 40th yes. birthday, we were going to go to the ice game to celebrate, and uh, yeah, we got kicked out because they had no tickets left. So anyhow, so we're recording a podcast, we're going to talk about the Jets, we will get to that. But before we talk about the Jets, Chris is wearing a Canada jersey, so I actually want to start talking about the World Juniors. I know some people love it, some people hate it. I'm curious what your hot take is on uh, these tournaments that happened. I know that the NHL just uh, not long ago said they're not going through with the World Cup. Uh, in whatever it is, next year or two years from now, whatever their thing is. Um, So that's not happening, so we won't have another international tournament. I mean, the last Olympics was just not NHLers. And now this World Juniors, I know some people are very tired of the World Juniors, but uh, what's your take on it? We're in the middle of it right now, and also we got the Spengler Cup going on and this World Championships at the end of the season. But, yeah, what's kind of your read on on, uh, tournaments in general? Do you enjoy these kind of small sample size tournaments? Things is it a fun event for you or? Well, you my it? biggest thing is I don't know why it's not a national broadcast because it's not on TSN three and I only get the one TSN channel, so mm-hmm. that's frustrating that's that I missed two two jet uh, two Canada games already, right? And now they're charging to stream, so that's pretty ridiculous. I don't usually complain about that stuff because it's like you know if you want to watch sports, watch sports, but it should be a national broadcast. Like if you have TSN, which everybody gets. Yeah. one TSN with their cable package you should be able to watch the Canada game and the Sweden Switzerland game should be on the subscribe right. channel so I don't understand maybe I'm missing something on that um, I used to love the juniors before it got huge like in the late 80s early 90s right. the Eric Lindros uh, that kind of stuff that was great and then of course it was here at the turn of the century and they we had some good um, tournaments and it's always entertaining hockey let's be honest the games always end up being close Canada's always involved um, but I think it's like kind of like Valentine's Day it's like a shtick put on 
Right. Like, it's bigger... It's pretending to be bigger than it really is, I think. Yeah. Like, TSN hypes it up so much. And yeah. I, I don't know. Again, it's entertaining, it's fun, but I don't live and die by it at all. Yeah. And I really like it a lot better when, uh, like, your own team's prospects are in it. Right. Like, the Jets have two players in the whole tournament, so that's kind of annoying. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, they're all playing for us or close to it and stuff, too. So that's some of the reason why, why we didn't have a lot of horses in the race uh, before. But usually when you have a crappy team, that's when you have lots of players on the World Junior roster. So maybe yeah. we'll take that. But yeah, well, it's, it's good, but it's not like the be-all and end-all. I love the Olympics with the NHLers. Yeah. World Championships do nothing because the best players are still yeah. playing hockey. They're fun. Again, they're fun to watch. They kill time if you're home during the day. Great. But Yeah. Actually, you mentioned uh, like Jets prospects too. Like uh, I guess Gustafson's over there and Hainola's over there, but then we say sort of maybe a Jets angle on it. There was a year that we had Comrie and Morrissey and Patan mm-hmm. were all on Team Canada that one year. That was like pretty cool if you're a Jets fan to be watching and see your prospects. That's right. Specifically for the team that you're most likely cheering for. I think most Jets fans are going to be Canadian, going to be from Winnipeg, going to be cheering for Canada. As much as we might like the history of Finland or think that, you know, Sweden's coach is great or whatever it is, like, um, there's not the same national interest with it maybe that there would be with Olympics. I mean, I cheer for Finland in, in almost yeah, everything. Right. I think it's kind of kind of cool, but um, obviously you want to see Canada do well. But, yeah, there isn't the same connection. Although, Don't just forget talk- the year uh, Connor had that big year for the U.S. for the World Juniors. Wait, wait a second. <laughs> uh, Hobie Baker winner Kyle Connor? Is that who you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, you know. Yes, he C-O-N-N-E-R, didn't go. N N E R. Al Connor. Didn't he? Uh, he never went, but Jack Roslovic went. I think Roslovic went one, one year. For one sure. year. I think yeah. they won, and that was the year they won in a shootout. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, happened in Buffalo, and then everyone was complaining that it was ended in a shootout. Oh yeah. I think that was the the year that Roslovic was there. Of course, you always complain when it ends in a shootout when your team. Yeah. Loses. When your team loses, yeah. Um, but right. So we mentioned the the Jets prospect, but I did we did. Talk about the Winnipeg Ice, too. I know that they have two players there. One playing for Germany and right. one playing for the Czech Republic, actually. And he had three assists. But, I mean, for those who follow this podcast because of the Jets, I mean, maybe they don't care about the icing. But it is kind of a cool thing to know that players that are making their home in Winnipeg, you know, and, and playing for the no, local team fantastic. are over there, too. Yep. And I don't think there would be any connection with the Moose just because of the nature of who would be on the Moose with mm-hmm. uh, kind of AHL vets and, and whatnot. They probably don't have a bunch of under-20 guys. So it's I probably think, just the four. I think traditionally you would because you'd have the Germany, the, the, the fringe countries. Right. You would have their their mid-level prospects that would play AHL. Right. So other teams, I'm sure, have have AHL guys, but... Yeah, that's, that's probably a first thing. But I don't know how you could not be excited about the ice. Obviously, the hottest ticket in town. You can get get Jets tickets game day. You can't get Winnipeg ice tickets game that's day. That's true. So how about December that? 28th, they were sold out. And, and there was kids crying about it. They were so upset. <laughs> yeah, and parents doing nothing about the kids crying. Too. It was and amazing. And kids kicking their car because they couldn't go to the ice game. Yeah, but the, at least they refunded the parking pay. Well, it was very nice of them. They just handed over money to refund the parking. Yeah. Uh, Which is the same price as parking and heated parking in downtown Winnipeg for a Jets game, but anyway. Now talk about the ice just for a second. I think <laughs> walk-up tickets were twenty-seven bucks. Twenty-seven dollars. What's the walk-up price for a Manitoba Moose ticket for an adult? Think twenty-seven dollars. It's something like that. It's like the same. I couldn't believe it was uh, so comparable. I I told you I thought it was gonna be like fifteen bucks walk-up, but 
I knew that that was low when we talked about going. Yeah. But I just, and I guess maybe we're going to show our age right now. But I'm 40 ne- today. Yeah, now's the, I'll show now's my age the time already. to do it. But I think it's absolutely ridiculous to even think I would be anywhere close to $50 to take me and my daughter. And they, there's discounts for the kids, whatever. Yeah. But it still would be with parking to either an ice game or a moose game. Yeah. All the tickets at those games should be 20 bucks or close, in my opinion, especially at where the ice are playing. That yeah. facility is like Pioneer Arena yeah. on Logan. Like, there's no... It's pretty dumpy, yeah. It's terrible. And they've done some upgrades and whatnot for the time being, but it's obviously not a permanent home for them. Like, to think it would have cost you and I $75 yeah. to get in the door... Because the parking, because we drove separate. Because we hate the planet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and my Tesla's in the shop, so. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, that. Um, like, that's crazy. $75 for two adults to go to. I, I Maybe, again, tweet us. Maybe we're wrong, but that seems, like, unreasonably high for two, two people to go to a, watch 16-year-olds play hockey. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, and uh, so I don't know if I mentioned this episode 73. Usually I dedicate every episode to a player that wears 73. Mike Ribeiro. They're Mike Ribeiro. Is there any, do you can you think of any Winnipeg connections to the number 73? Um, uh, Randy Faby. He used to play for the Bombers. <laughs> okay. Connor, Randy Faby, there you go. Connor Hallebuck in reverse. Oh, is it number 73, that guy that I sent you this week? That I didn't know how to say his name? Uh, For the Rangers? Isn't he number 73? Oh, uh, uh, Shea? Yeah, Brady Shea. Brady Shea. Is he 73? Like or good, 37? I don't know. Anyway. We'll dedicate it to Connor Hellebuck. Reverse the numbers. We're dyslexic, and so it's number 73. There you Are go. You, it's 2019. I don't know if we're allowed to say dyslexic. Oh. <laughs> That's... Yeah. No, we just did. Okay. Anyhow, um... Okay, uh, so I asked you about the juniors. I, I pretty much agree with you about most of the stuff about the juniors. And I think it's kind of fun just having these tournaments, but I don't put too much stock in them. They are kind of uh, meaningless. But there was also the Spangler Cup, and you and I were chatting about it. It almost seems like an untapped thing for people that are truly hockey fans because, I mean, I remember watching a couple of years ago the, was it like the Champions League for hockey? Mm-hmm. And it was like two team random teams from Finland and Norway or whatever playing the finals. And the finals was taking place in Denmark, and the place was crazy. Like the the flags were all waving, and it like the atmosphere was really really like nuts. And I think it's um, the way that people enjoy hockey around the world is probably unknown to most of us in North America that just kind of see the NHL and maybe the AHL. Like in Winnipeg, we obviously have the all three of the the big leagues here. But I'm curious how uh, how other people see that. But the Spangler Cup is like that too. It happens in tournament every year at this time. Happens there. And I think if I had the choice to go to the Czech Republic to watch the World Juniors right now or go to Davos to watch the Spangler Cup, I think I'm going to the Spangler Cup. It looks crazy. And I mean, I know the hockey, whatever level you could talk about that, but it certainly looks exciting place to be to watch a game. I, I think any hockey fan would, and I'm not traditionally a hockey fan, I guess you could say. I'm more of a, like, you know, my team's fan. Yeah. That's I'm different than some people. I, you know, I'm more like, you know, the Jets or in the past, the Coyotes or whatever, than hockey, 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 you know? Right. 
Um, but I think if you're a fan and you had, you know, you won the lottery, I guess, or whatever, if that's not like your top two or three things, yeah. like that's crazy. It looks so awesome. Yeah. The building is incredible. It's got the, the wood r roof and like the windows. So it looks like outdoors and yeah. uh, it's just incredible. It'd be so awesome to go there yeah. again. Who cares? At that point, you're there for the beer steins and, the, yeah. you know, screaming and yelling and singing the whole time and not really about the, you know, who, you know, if you're watching Zach Redmond and, yeah. you know. Who the Jets should go after. I uh, Never mind. Kind of take it back to the Jets. I don't understand the inefficiency. I mean, I, I talk about all the things I don't understand all the time, but uh, Zach Redmond is a pretty good player in the AHL. I remember I sent a private message to somebody who covers the AHL, and I said, why is this guy not in the NHL? They said, all of his numbers in the AHL and NHL have been good. And I wonder how NHL teams don't take advantage of that. Now, specifically kind of turning the page to the Jets, right? I mean, some could argue that our D is still horrible or that they're overperforming. But, I mean, if you just look at the quality of the players that we have on the defensive end, it definitely feels like they could have gone after a few more uh, sig significant players um, I don't know. What do you have any? Uh, I'm gonna. Thought, you're gonna pull it up. I'm gonna guess that it's because he's six foot one and two hundred pounds. <laughs> you think that's why? <laughs> that's no bigger or smaller than Potato. He's six six one. I was I was assuming that he weighed less than two hundred. Okay, pounds, yeah. You and so he's bang on the nose. You thought Zach Red, Redmond was a small guy? Yeah, I mean, we were talking about it before we started recording. This is a fundamental flaw in hockey right now. Yeah. That we're in this information age, and I think that this is not good for um, older white men. Right. They don't understand how much information is available. If you look at politics, if you look at, um, you know, some of the Me Too movement, some of this stuff, and then sports, I don't think people understand how much information is available. Right. I think it's hilarious when. The coach says, oh, I don't go on Twitter. I don't owe you. And they purposely make up a name, Snaptogram or some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> they think that's hilarious, right? But what you're seeing is, is that you're not understanding how much information is out there. Back in the day, you could bury a shitty road trip yeah. to L.A. and, and you know, uh, Vancouver and Edmonton in the sports page. And yeah. all you did was on Tuesday get the sports updates. You're not getting to see... Back in the day, nothing. There was no information available. Yeah. So it was all eye test, and it was all whatever, you know. Kurt Keelback told us. Right. Was happening. Friend of the show. <laughs> That's right. Friend of the former show. guest. So. So now that we're getting to see that these players are better, yeah. You then you can start questioning things. Yeah. Differently when you're starting to see that there's more going on. So what's the reason? Okay. Well, we know some of the guys have sub substance abuse problems. Right. So that's why they're not getting a shot. Right. You know, some guys have attitude problems. That's why they're not getting a shot. Right. Right. But then there's these questionable things. And Garrett Hole, front of the show, was tweeting this week about waivers. Yeah. And how ludicrous it is mm -hmm. that uh, some of these players are passing through waivers. Um, he was talking about Sven Barchi got sent down this, this yeah. week. There's no way... He's not better than every, like at least one player on every NHL team's yeah. group of twelve. Yeah. It's impossible. And same goes with Zach Redman. Yeah. It's impossible that he's not one of the best uh, hundred and eighty 
defenseman in the world right now. Right, yeah. It's, it's absolutely impossible. <laughs> he's, he's better than three of the guys probably playing for the Jets right, right now. Never mind 30 other teams. Yeah. So what are... You know, what are the reasons? And who knows, right? Again, not saying Zach Redmond has a, a problem. Yeah. Maybe he does. Or maybe... There's a problem with the system and the overall right. evaluation and how things are done and how little people and like to disrupt things. he's not really things. six feet tall. And <laughs> yeah. so that turns off right Get away paid. 25, right? Nobody's exaggerating people's heights and weight in <laughs> professional sports. Never have. That's idiotic. Never have. Yeah. Uh, right? So who knows? But this is the this is the issue and... This also becomes an issue when you start valuing players' dressing room performance. Right. Or you start, like I talked about last time I was on, when you start deciding before the season even starts, we're going to have two scoring lines, one I don't know line, and one guys that don't even play line. When you're already deciding those things, a guy like Zach Redman doesn't have a hope. Yeah. So how do you evaluate? How do we know what's really going on? It's it's frustrating. It's it's almost like the you know the you want to apply for a job. It's like you must need, you need experience, but nobody will give you experience. It's really, like it's kind of like you. Well, you need to make the team, but you can't make the team unless you're on the team. It's like what? That, no, but you need to <laughs> right. Like you need to open it up to all the people that aren't on the team and think, is there somebody better? And it feels like there there's inefficiencies that way, and likely not with the, just with the Jets. It could be with every uh, team. Every team we for know sure. It's a, it's a it's a cultural league wide thing. We know that. Yeah, we know sure. that. Yeah, because. Again, it, you only have one team wins the Stanley Cup every year, yeah. so we know that. But we see it on every team right now, and we we like to talk about the Jets. But we were talking before we came on about the Oilers. Yeah, there's a perfect example. You're, we talked about it. We talk about him almost every episode. But you're telling me that Sven Barchi and Nick Patan aren't better than eight forwards that play for the Oilers right now? Right. <laughs> they have no use for those two players? Yeah. Come on. And Josh Hosang. And Josh Hosang yeah. is another example. Yeah. Honest to God, it's not, but Eric Comrie? Right. Like, he's not better than, well, uh, than Mike Smith, but you know what I'm saying. Well, that's a funny thing, because we could probably list off a bunch of defensemen and forwards that do not get picked up, yet Eric Comrie, who's not going to be an NHL goaltender... Has gotten picked up 17 times. He, he, he's got no fixed address. He just moves around. That's, that's all that happens. I, I'm going to go back to your point about sort of all the information that's out there. It's actually... And some people don't like this, like the analytics and people talking about all the details of the sport, and it feels like it ruins the fandom, I suppose, for them. For me, it actually has when I watch football, typically, if I talk to people that really know about NFL, which it feels like there's tons of information, people understand what's going on. There's so many really educated fans in football that now when I watch football, I go, I'm too stupid to watch this game now. Like, there's so much more going on. I thought it was just a couple guys pushing each other around, a couple guys tackling, and that's the end of the story. I've realized that it's not, and I'm not prepared to put the time in to figure it out. So now, for me, football is, it's not dead. While we're recording this, there's a, the college football game on in the background, which is kind of my jam, and so definitely I'm you know watching that out of the, the side of my eye. So I, I still like it, and I still will watch it. It is kind of a slow game, but I do not enjoy it in the same way that I would have before because I realize I'm an idiot. Yeah, right? except, okay, so I'm the same way with basketball. Right. I've watched, you know, 60 Raptors games a year for 15 years. Right. When they went on the run last year, um, I know that we've got mutual friends that are really big basketball fans, but more so like numbers guys. Right. And I felt I didn't want to tweet about them. Right. Well, for two reasons. One, because people were going to think I was a bandwagon fan. And it's like, I'm not really a Raptors fan. 
but I've been watching them since they came into the league. Right. I am a basketball fan, um, but also the same reason. Because it's like, I don't get some of the other stuff. And I think so-and-so is a good player, but it turns out he's really a bag of shit. Yeah. Right? So it's like, I know what you're saying. You just have to, in my opinion, you just need to separate yourself from that and just enjoy it and cheer. Right. I still know more than, say, my little brother about basketball. So he asked me, hey, what do you think of this guy? How, do you, how good do you think the Raptors are going to be? Whatever, whatever. Right. He does the same thing with hockey with me. Right. So you still know more than somebody. But it shouldn't change your enjoyment. Yeah. But also, as we talk about all the time on here, use those people as a tool. Yeah. And so they're not the enemy. Yeah. People that know more than you are not the enemy. <laughs> I, I used to think five years ago that nobody knew more about hockey than I did. Mm-hmm. I used to, like, honestly believe that. Other than hockey guys. Right. Now that I've gotten to know people in just life. Yeah. My biggest tool is the fact that I listen to opinions of everybody else, and then I form my own opinion. Yeah. Media, friends, Twitter, and then go, okay, again, if for five years everyone is saying Toby Enstrom's really good, probably he's good. Yeah. So I, and then learn from that. Yeah. Well, what does Corsi mean? What does this mean? Why does this work? Again, yeah. we talk about this a lot on here, but why can't, yeah. instead of just being like, oh, I can't be bothered, Yeah. or... Find another outlet, fantasy football, right? Yeah. And focus on that, yeah. It, it was funny, I was talking with Hanger Hockey, <laughs> yeah. a friend of the show as well, mentioned another person, but um, we were kind of chatting in DMs uh, not long ago, and I said, basically just talking about his own fandom a little bit, and uh, I don't think he'd mind me sharing this, but I said, this my view on it is if you can't cite five to ten people that have positively influenced and helped change and form your fandom to be a smarter, intelligent fan, you're an asshole. Like, I mean, at that point, if, if really you can't think of anybody that's taught you something and it's all just from yourself and you're just the smartest person in every single room about hockey, then you're an asshole. Like, you, you need to find other people that know more than you and expand your knowledge if you really want to be that type of fan. And I think that's what this podcast has always been around from even when it was the AIH super fans was not just sort of being a fan of the team, but sort of going a little bit deeper than, say, my dad, who just casually watches and everything. Well, he would hate to listen to this because I don't, I don't know about the details. And that's okay. Uh, absolutely. But don't sit at the game. Yeah. Okay, this is something I wanted to tweet about, just but I couldn't. do it. Say it. I couldn't figure out the words to tweet about it. And maybe I did, but it doesn't have the same effect as said, I don't think. Pretty much every casual Jets fan I know was probably a really fucking awesome eight-year-old hockey player. <laughs> okay. Because... Everything they say is what you were taught when you played hockey when you were nine. Get the puck out. Shoot. Use the body. All of the same shit that we were told the basics of hockey when we were 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, when we had your assistant captain's dad was the coach and was probably half-wasted the whole practice. (laughs) That's that's the limit of 95% of hockey fans' hockey knowledge is what they were taught when they were playing Timbits. Yeah. And they've never taken it any further. Right. So they're watching the game through the eyes of nine-year-old kid and doing and thinking that that player should be doing the same shit. Yeah. Nobody's expanded on their knowledge. Nobody's watching the game differently. I'm not great at watching the game right. compared to some of the people we know. Yeah, yeah. I see things differently than a lot of people I know, too. The last time I was at a game, I was with my daughter, 
and the Jets are coming down th three on or two on one. It was Shifley and Connor coming in two on one, and I'm smacking her leg. Watch lining, watch lining, watch lining. He is 30 feet behind the play, and sure enough, yeah. Shifley drops a pass back to Line A and he scores. Yeah. I don't think anybody else in the building was watching Line A at that point. Right. So yeah, I see things sometimes differently, but not the way the, the people that I find are smart watch the game. Yeah. So just that that's I just think so many people are trapped in the past when they're younger days, just the basics. Yeah. Just educate yourself. How many people are arguing about fancy stats and don't even know what they are? Yeah. Just just read it. Just Google it. Yeah, I know you've said that a couple times. It's pretty simple. Yeah, right. And then, uh, like, yeah. It's how just... could it? How could it hurt? Yeah, it's not gonna hurt. And don't you want to know more when you watch a movie, and then watch a movie again? Hey, that that movie has a certain feel. Like, I'm just getting to the age now where directors matter. Right. But there's so many people I know that love movies apparently that don't know who directors are, don't know who writes things. Well, how can you be a movie fan if you don't know that stuff? I guess everybody fans different. I, mean, I know we talked about it a bunch, but I want to kind of shift gears back to talking specifically about the Jets now. Um, not their recent record, but um, I want to talk about Wheeler. He just set their franchise record. I saw some people arguing online with some tweets that were put out there saying they don't really care about the franchise leader. It's not a thing. But just to be clear, Wheeler pretty much after the first season and at some point in the first season has been the franchise leader ever since because Ladd has left, Kane has left. He had the most points after the first season. He was only a few points behind after the second season. And he's still here and he still scores at a or gets points at a high rate. So if if you are cheering the fact that you know Wheeler got this franchise record, yet at the same time say, I don't want to hear anything about Atlanta ever again. I don't know how you make that disconnect. I think it's really cool that he got that record. And I think the fact that Atlanta existed for, what was it, 10, 12 years, whatever it was, that there is some stats that are put in place, some benchmarks that we can kind of chase. And it's cool that Wheeler got 617 points or whatnot and is now the franchise leader, as opposed to after year one, he had 61 points and was the franchise leader ever since. That will be the story told when he retires, but right now it's kind of cool that he could pass that. I mean, the Jets are going to at some point pass more games played in Winnipeg than uh, Jets 1.0 or WHA Jets or the Atlanta, right? Uh, the Thrashers or more wins or more. They've already passed like having the best season ever right out of all those teams. We know that uh, two seasons ago was uh, um, by all the, the measurable stats and standings and everything. It was the best season right. ever by a team in Winnipeg. Uh, besides, I guess you could say the WHA winning the Avco Cup, but I mean, that's playoffs. Um, so I think, I think it's really cool that there's that Atlanta thing built in. And it's really, really, really not that hard to say, hey, Jets 1.0 is part of our history, right? And also Atlanta Thrashers is part of our history too. In fact, it's kind of cool. It's almost like, and I shared this with somebody else who didn't comment, you know, if you're, my, my mom is fully German, right? And so I get to adopt some of that German heritage and my dad is partially Mennonite way back, which I'm not connected with that, but then also half Scottish. And so there's like a connection there. So I can be fully German on this side and enjoy the Scottish thing and some of the the parts you know that that brings and it's not one or the other you could have both and and the idea that there's some banners in Arizona that have names on it of 
players that have never played there. I don't know why that's so offensive to people. Like, who really cares? And especially when the Jets didn't exist for that 16, 17-year period, the fact that they somebody that those names were honored somewhere is actually kind of cool. It's like they carried that torch for a bit. And because it wasn't Arizona's fault that the Jets left. It wasn't our fan, the fans' fault. It's like it's not anybody's fault that should feel bad or get blame or anything that is still around, right? And so it was cool that they had the banners up. But the fact that they're still there... Who gives a shit? Eventually, they'll be back in Winnipeg. And and Howard Chuck, I think, is up in Arizona, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. He's also up at the at Bell MTS. There's a banner that says him, like, has Howard Chuck on it. So what's the difference? Who cares if they put it in two places, right? We can honor all those guys here, too. We can retire the jerseys here. Everybody knows and gets it. And But the when it comes to the Thrashers, for a fan base that lost a team to be so uh, reluctant to accept the fact that a whole bunch of Atlanta fans still follow the Jets and that there's some history there, whether it's still on the team with Brian Little and, and Blake Wheeler for 23 games, Dustin Bufflin who played a season there before. Um, I mean, some of the scouts are still from there. I mean, there there is some connection, right, uh, that still go back there. And Atlanta is a pretty wicked city to be connected to. In my opinion. So anyhow, that's so great stuff for Blake Wheeler. I think it's really cool. And he had to play nine seasons here to do it. It wasn't just automatic because by default because he was the best player from the get-go, essentially. There's right? so many different things that I could touch on on that. People in Winnipeg, and I, we've talked about this before, I don't think understand tradition as much as they think they do. <clears throat> we've talked about how I don't think Jet... Uh, Sports fans in Canada, especially, understand the significance of a banner. Yeah, how important that is. That and the Atlanta Thrashers have a banner, by the way, <laughs> and they should find that banner and hang it yeah, up in Bell and Yes, of course it is, because those are our records. Um, also, I've never seen a fan base that has so little tradition as the Winnipeg Jets 1.0 have. Right. Literally, your greatest moment is a goal that led you to lose a series. Yeah, when people cite the day, you're talking about the, the Dave thing, obviously. Goal. I don't understand that at all. It's, uh, it's, they nothing. won a game against a good team. There's that, no, there's no hist- that 1.0 has no history yeah. of other than Timu Solani and Dale Howarchuk. Yeah, that's it. There's nothing there. there there's, there's other yeah players, but uh, the yeah. players fine. But there's no. I'm talking about moments like yeah, yeah. like Howarchuk, 50 goals and you know rookie of the year 929 all points. All of that, but there's no there's no achievement to be proud of. If anything, you should want to bury that history. A little bit, yeah. We've talked about that before, too. And the Coyotes, like you said, went completely out of their way to hold up tradition that they didn't need to. No. Because they could have just started fresh and said, fuck it all. Yeah. And they didn't. A little bit like the Jets have done with the, Atlanta They did stuff. exact opposite. Yeah. I've never heard the words Atlanta at, in that arena. On May 11th, uh, or May 19th, 2011, right. we're... Proud to announce right. that we've bought the Atlanta Thrashers. So the Coyotes <laughs> did all of this stuff for no reason because they understand tradition in the state. They yeah. get it. They know that their team came from somewhere. Yeah. And they honored that tradition. And and we, me and my older brother stayed Coyotes fans, some longer than the others. And we got literally bullied, harassed um, for it by our friends that couldn't understand why we would be support. I'm like, if my kid goes off to college, I'm still going to support my kid. They didn't leave me. Yeah. And that's what happened when they left, but people were so bitter that the team left. Yeah. But I still can't understand why you're mad. If you, I've always said this, if you liked Kachuk and Janney and Newmanin and, and all of, and Don. Happy Bulin and Doan in April, how did you hate them in October? <laughs> 
Yeah. It's five months later, and yeah. you hate them all. You want to kill them all. Yeah. It was not their fault. Yeah. And it wasn't the city of Winnipeg's fault, and it wasn't Phoenix's fault, and it wasn't Gary Bettman's fault. Well, you know, some people are gonna hate hate you for that one. I don't. I don't care. I think it's fine. It's not his fault. Yeah, yeah. He. It's a business. Business decisions were made. Yeah, yeah. Whoever decided that Winnipeg Enterprises should be a separate company and the Winni- that from the Winnipeg Jets, that's whose fault it was. The fact that the Jets didn't get revenue for parking, that they didn't get revenue for concessions, yeah. that that's whose fault it was. And the Canadian dollar. And the Canadian dollar. So blame fault. the Canadian government. And every, blame the blame the other six or five or six Canadian teams that didn't sit up the season not, to say. And keep, let's not forget yeah. the Oilers almost moved to Houston. Right. The Flames almost moved. The Canucks were in trouble. Yeah. It just so happened that we and don't forget Quebec lost their team too. Yeah. So it's not like we were an isolated case. It drives me nuts. Yeah. That people are mad at the NHL. Gary Bettman fucking gave us a team back. He I, should be cheered every time he comes here. And Minnesota lost a team. Yeah. The the land of hockey or whatever they call it. The St. Louis of, almost like Montreal was in trouble at that time. The yeah. fucking Montreal Canadiens yeah. got sold and almost had to... There was trouble. Right. Nothing was good. Yeah, yeah. It just so happened that we were the easy target. Yeah. Because we were the cheapest Hartford franchise. Hartford lost their team. Right. So yeah. tell me again how we were special. Because they took our banners, Chris, damn it. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, I was as upset, heartbroken as anybody. Yeah. I was, that was my time. Like, I was, you know, yeah. just turning 20 and all those, sort. like, I was graduating high school, actually, right? Yeah. So I was in that age and all of it. It had been my life. I've been to so many games. I've been to whiteouts, all of that stuff. So nobody needs to tell me about they. it meant more to them than it did to me. Yeah. But, but I now 22 years business. later, 22 years later in context, it's crazy that you still have people being like, fuck Atlanta I can't, and uh, I don't damn it. banners. You don't and, have to fucking, we don't have to wear their jerseys. But why you would be against their records. Yeah. It's a franchise. What is so hard to understand about it? Yeah. It, the, it's the idea. If it the wasn't, Jets. put it this way: if it wasn't for the Atlanta Thrashers, there wouldn't be a Winnipeg Jets. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody had said to me the they said the Jets. There is no Atlanta. Atlanta is dead to me. It the, it started with Jets 2.0. I'm like good because uh, Jets 1.0 is dead to me. It started with Phoenix 1.0. Like it's like you but know. Where like, did the team come from if not from Atlanta? No, but it's you, not an. Ex- I yeah. know, I know, but you get my point. It's sort of like okay, so we hate Jets 1.0 then, right? Like yeah, if we hate gone. Atlanta, like no, you you can't say we hold on to that old history, but fuck their old history, right? It's it doesn't make any sense. Anyhow, there's a huge disconnect that way, and I wish that people would kind of grow up. It's not that hard. It's really not that hard to carry two things at once and be like, that was our old team. We get some of the cool parts of that history, which, like you say, wasn't that great, right? And but then yeah, we but also we get this one. We honor that heritage, and we do that. Yeah, yeah we do absolutely. So and we, we every don't need jersey to honor, we've right. had, we don't need to much. honor the records. Yeah. Right? Because they're Phoenix's records now. Mm-hmm. So we don't need to honor, right? Yeah, yeah. Team who's scoring 70. We don't need to do that. Yeah. But we can honor the heritage of him playing in our city. Yeah. Which so, he did at the Heritage that's Classic right. again, right? That's right. And that's what you're doing. Yeah. Um, would it be really cool if they, you know, um, included Marion Hosa or Ilya Kovalchuk or, you know, Kozlov in something to do with the Jets? Fucking rights it would be. They should be. I, I I think it would be cool. As somebody who, when the Jets were gone, was kind of cheering for the underdog 
of the Thrashers because they were always awful. So it reminded us all of Jets 1.0 and the Jets 1.0 after they left in, in Phoenix and Arizona, right? Because they were awful there too, generally, yeah. right? And so it's like we're so used to awful. Atlanta Thrashers is right up our alley. And the fact that the team has been able to turn around. And here's another kind of fun little tidbit to this this rant that we're both having here. But Mark Chipman and True North didn't want to name them the Jets. They wanted to name them the Polar Bears or whatever other name they had. So they wanted to get away from this history. So if you want to look to them for bringing the team back, That's right. how much more pissed off would the fan base be or what would their take on it be if they were called the Winnipeg or Manitoba Polar guess Bears? What? It turns it all back to what we talked about, about the fundamentals of hockey. People can't accept change. Yeah. People are stuck in their ways. I don't know what age it happens. I think we're around that age. 40 today. <laughs> December Where 28th. people can't just look at, take things for what they're worth. Yeah. And they just, that's how it's been. So that's how it should be. Yeah. Don Cherry fans, you know, all of these things that we don't need to talk about. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just, nope, that's how it is. That's how it fucking is. And yeah. that's it. And it's like, how about we just, you know. Yeah. Let's things change. Things get better. Yeah, you know, and they have. Look how great the team's been. I mean, they they haven't they didn't get the banner that they should have, right? To to last year, right? They definitely should have got the banner last year. We've beat that dead horse, and so then we could already sort of be at least tied with Atlanta. But I think that Atlanta banner should be up here. I think Atlanta would probably be honored to have it. I'm sure a lot of the fans that follow the team would be pretty honored to have it. It'd be pretty cool. Um, but I mean, obviously this team is going to surpass everything at some point when they're here 30 years, we'll have almost every single record. Yeah, unless there's here. an outlier, right? Yeah. Like, like Solani. Solani's goals, like yeah. that can't be broken. So yeah, that will never be broken in, in Arizona, but all of the Jets records probably, yeah. probably are eclipsed by Coyotes now. I would think. Yeah, I don't. Other I don't than know. like long-term stuff, other than yeah. Howard Chuck, probably, because yeah. I don't think Dome would have caught Howard Chuck. No, probably not. But yeah, but like, I mean, even Howard Chuck's point nine twenty nine here, Wheeler's at six seventeen. So what's another two hundred and fifty? What is that? Three three hundred points. I mean, yeah, a, he might. He, uh, yeah. Well, what was he? Well, got? Four if, more years. We'll <laughs> if see. he's gonna earn his contract, he better. Yeah. Well, he'll something points a year. He'll get the he'll get those uh, he'll get that later contract too. Right yeah. after this one, the 36, 37, 38-year-old yeah. contract, too. Just to so he'll have a chance to get another 30 or 40 a year at the end of his his uh, life expectancy as an NHL player. But anyhow, I thought that was, uh, that was a good little rant about the thing. And, you know, honestly, congratulations to Blake Wheeler. I think that's a real accomplishment. That's something that everybody was celebrating in media. People on, on uh, Twitter and everything were celebrating, too. And I get... And I again, it doesn't exist without the Atlanta Thrashers. There is no franchise thing. It's meaningless if if you don't at least acknowledge hey, Atlanta's listen to existence. This. If you want to include Vinny Hanala in the Jacob Truba trade, then you have to include the Atlanta Thrashers. <laughs> that's, that's the rule yeah, yeah. <laughs> in in the existence. It's like the butterfly effect. Yeah, right? yeah, I think I think Tony's gonna he's gonna have a heyday with that one because that's actually a good uh, uh, like a fun topic when you talk about the the Hanola trade and and. What is part of a trade? Because if you look at trade trees, I think the biggest trade tree ever was the Eric Lindros one, which is the second mention of him now. And I think Eric Lindros has a record for most points in a junior tournament. I think he had 31 in a junior tournament, which is pretty crazy. I think he has a record, if, or at least Canadian record. Canadian, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think his trade tree went like just finished a couple years ago, all the follow-up from it. So there is an interconnectivity to or interconnectedness between his trades. And so I personally, I don't 
if if you can make that connection pretty easily, I think you should. If uh, you, but it's not like you tie every single trade together. But the Hainola back from the Hayes, you know, two months later, our first round pick with the Truba and Lemieux. I mean, yeah, I I agree with you. If you don't, you can't accept the Hainola in the trade. If you don't accept the Thrashers, that's it. We'll make our stand. I'm just this. saying it's butterfly effect. Yes, you're right. You can't keep going. Yeah, but. Well, you anyway, can though, in some ways. You could. Yeah. Sometimes the 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 trickle down is obvious, right? Sometimes it's so far removed. A couple months later, though, it feels pretty interconnected still. Yeah. So anyhow, congrats to Blake Wheeler. He will never listen. To, actually, that's not true. Tim Stapleton has listened to this, and Tim Stapleton is still friends with Blake Wheeler. So yeah, well. So I think he has listened. There it is. So congrats to him. Okay, so now talk about. Oh, if he is oh, listening, great pickup on those Travis Scott ones. Nice job. What's the hat that he's wearing with the blue pizza? I'm not sure. Blake Wheeler, what's the hat with the blue pizza? Just, uh, you know, message us. DMs are open. Uh, okay, so now to the Jets and their current state of affairs. In the month of December, I, mean, I think 10 games is a good sample size. Uh, so we'll go with the 11 that they played so far in December. They're 5-6. and six. Uh, They have now recently just been passed by Dallas uh, while we were recording here. Um, so now Dallas is ahead of them. And then there's Winnipeg and then Minnesota and Nashville right behind them, the standings. And their next two games are against the two teams that are ahead of them. They go to St. Louis, and then I think they go to Colorado or they're at Colorado home. I'm not really sure. But whatever, two top teams in the division. Uh, this could get ugly really quick, and it hasn't been that great as of late. Do you have any uh, feelings about the Jets and how they're currently playing? And specifically Hellebuck. I know he's sort of been the story of the year and how well he's played and kind of kept the team afloat. Which is great. I mean, Alan had mentioned before, why aren't goalies getting the credit for uh, they're part of the team? So they should be able to steal games and get you stuff. But uh, counting on one person's high level of play is not as sustainable as having a team that can maintain a decent level. So um, what's your your take on the Jets lately? Is this the beginning of the slide that looked like 500 from December, January on last year? Or is this just like a blip on the radar? Have they... It looked like they're, like, to be fair, it looked like they kind of, I don't want to say figured things out, but with the personnel that they were running, um, they were getting results. And now it feels like it's going to kind of catch up they, to them, but. They yeah. had a couple of, they had a cup in late November, it seemed. They had some better, like, statistical games, right. even games that they hadn't won. And they had some more enjoyable hockey to watch. Right. Like, the games are actually bearable. Um, because sometimes it's, even if they're winning, it's not fun to watch them. They're not entertaining and they had been entertaining a little bit in November. Um, obviously there's been some entertaining games now because every game has been a blowout one way or the other, it seems. Yeah. Um, so that can be entertaining both ways. Yeah. I think, I think in the 11 games that we did a little math before we started here, uh, I think three of the 11 games were closer than three goals apart. And I know there's empty netters when you're up by two and everything, but I mean, once you're getting to winning by three, that's kind of blow. That's blowout territory. In this Although NHL you know, yeah, yeah, you know that you could only be up by two, could have scored two in the last, whatever. But again, losing and winning by three plus goals in eight of eleven games seems like uh, pretty pretty wild hockey. <laughs> yeah, and I think what we're seeing is honestly what we expected for most of the year. Right. Like. They're giving up the chances that should lead to giving up five goals. Right. And they're playing the sort of offensive hockey that's not going to lead to scoring five goals. 
or six <laughs> that you need to win. Sometimes it does. Yeah. But even that game that they blew up Philly, they didn't dominate Philly. Right. The shots were even. They just scored on sixty-five percent of their first twenty shots. Yeah, yeah. So, or whatever it was, they scored five goals on thirteen shots or something like that. Yeah. Well, you're gonna win every time that happens. Yeah. And that does happen every of year. There's it always happens. you have some three games or four games. Ways. You know, you know, one probably one game a segment. Where you, where you get lucky like that. And Corsi doesn't matter, like we talk about. And yeah. all those things. Yeah, okay, those things happen. Yeah. That's what makes the sport fun to watch. But when you start going 10, 12, 15 games and 25 games, 30 games into the year, and every time you look at the stats, they're the same. Yeah. We get outshot and we're not out, you know, and we're not out shooting and our power play sucks and our penalty kill sucks. Yeah. This is the results you're going to get. It doesn't take much to figure that out. That's not fancy stats. Yeah, that's just um, what's the <laughs> law of averages? Yeah, that's not fancy stat. No, that's uh, like that's... again, you're going to win games both ways. Yeah, you're gonna win games you don't deserve to win, like Chicago did to us. Yeah, we outplayed them, they won, and you're going to win games that you know the other way. You're gonna lose games you do deserve to win because that's what happens. But over the course of 82 games, if you play the same style of game, 75 of those 82 games you can probably guess what right. the results are going to look like. Okay, well, in the division right now, like I said, St. Louis and Colorado are by far the two best teams it would seem in the division. Then you got Chicago was in last place, who, like you mentioned, beat us. And then you got the other four teams. Us are right now, again, Dallas, Nashville, Minnesota, and uh, – uh, yeah, sorry, Dallas, us, Minnesota, Nashville. In, in that order, as it currently stands, all separated by, like, you know, one game played more and, you know, three points probably yeah. between all of us. So it seems pretty close, uh, which you don't really want to be sort of on that, that um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That fault line where you can kind of just be on either side. But they're currently in a playoff spot with all their blemishes so far. And they played, I think, 38 games right now. Essentially the halfway point is 41, right? So halfway through the season with the crew that they've had, and with the way the division has gone, um, is it sustainable? Do you think in any way for them to continue at this pace to still be a wild card team by the end? Or is this because, like you say, law of averages? But I think back to the Colorado team a couple of years ago that won the division, and everyone says that they, you know, PDO'd themselves all the way to to that cha- uh, and they were so undeserving in so many ways. I mean, Varlamov was a Vesna candidate. McKinnon was a rookie that year, and uh, I think he won the Calder, if I'm not mistaken. I think Wa won. Or was a candidate at least for Jack Adams. Yeah. So everything sort of culminated with a team that maybe wasn't that good or shouldn't have shouldn't have been that good. But in eighty two game span, uh, the law of averages didn't average out enough to really bump them down to what they really were. Yeah, but that's an anomaly, the same as I think um, Tampa Bay getting bounced in the first round. Tampa Bay constantly <laughs> getting bounced. St. Louis winning the Stanley Cup last year after being in last place. Well, yeah. that too, but even their style. People are like pointing at them. See, you need to be this. You need to be that. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, one team in the last nine that's played like that is one or whatever. You yeah. know, I, I'm not looking at the stat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they're proving maybe that they're better than we thought. And they weren't just hot, right? And or just Bennington or whatever. Or maybe the coaching change helped. Oh, maybe. Right, but I mean, we're not going to go off on a coaching change. <laughs> coaching changes don't do anything. Uh, segment here. I mean, it's not like we the Leafs just got a point. Uh, they were down, and uh, it's not like they're ten two and one now under Keith since he took over yeah. or something. 
<laughs> and they still haven't done any work on their defensive side of the of the game, and they're winning every game. So anyway, they have a very good record since their coaching change. <laughs> but uh, I just, I again, so you, to play the other side of it, they could get a pretty great third line. Yeah. In the next week, it sounds like you know Little and Perot could both be back. That's going to change everything a lot. Like, yeah. That's huge. Uh, Here's hoping that we see little that, with line and Ehlers yeah. and, and reunite the dream team. It would be nice if the Jets were winning going into this return so that Maurice won't disrupt it. Disrupt it. Yeah. Um, which there okay, we've said this a lot of times in the last three years on the podcast. There's no way he puts them back together. Yep, he will. Like right out the gate. Yep. Like, okay, so let's, for fun, for funsies. Yep. Brian Little, tomorrow morning, comes out of the morning skate. He's playing against St. Louis tomorrow. Uh, what What are the top two lines? Okay, well, you definitely have to reunite Shifley and Wheeler um, with um, Connor because of how well they were two years ago. Then you got Brian Little on the second line with uh, Line A and Ehlers because that worked so well. Like, honestly... <laughs> Is that what you think he would do? I and I'm I'm not even criticizing. It's just the body of work there says going back to to what was done before, like because uh, again and uh, some people hate when we talk about Maurice or criticize or anything. But literally every major decision that's been changed with him, whether it's Kyle Connor kind of coming up or even uh, breaking I, I, up Little and Lad. Yeah, was a an injury. Little getting injured. Yeah. And, and our whole Patan on the top, uh, or that line with Wheeler and Connor yeah. was a little injury too. But uh, the pro injury got Kyle Connor in, and then most recently the split up of Mar- uh, Shifley, whatever. Um, there's always injuries that change it. So when everyone's healthy, it feels like he goes back to what it was before. Because when everyone was healthy, that's what was done before. So what has changed now? Like you said, they're not even necessarily winning or playing that great. So now, So now you're looking for some chemistry... And sometimes what was done before can be mistaken for chemistry because you could just say it was done for a long time. Therefore, uh, long time equals chemistry, right? So, uh, yeah, I think if Brian Little is healthy tomorrow, he he would be on that second line. Maybe, okay, we'll say perfectly healthy because they might say they'll that's take a game. A, that's not a thing Hold anymore. On. No, no. I know what you mean. Yeah, they're going to say... He needs a game to acclimatize. That's not a thing and anymore. Then, I'm tired of that narrative because the, the the teams don't do it. The media says that. Yes. They need to ease him back. I did, I'm just sorry, Dan. No, it's true. It's a fucking bunk thing. As soon as a guy's back, he's 100% healthy yeah. and he plays 100%. The yeah. media says this bullshit about they need to ease him back. Yeah. There's no such thing. When an athlete's ready to go, he's ready to go. There's some exceptions in football. Yeah. Where a guy can maybe play twenty plays or whatever, whatever. I know, I know what you're saying because there. I'm trying to remember who it was that came back from injury. Whether it was Buff or Truba or somebody last year that came back, they're going to ease him in. It was like twenty four minutes, oh, right yeah. off the no, right it's off. Not a thing. So I agree. Yeah, but I, yeah, we're kind of prefacing this will be the narrative surrounding it, right? But I think honestly, I think Little gets put back on that second one, and maybe, maybe it's uh, him with Connor and Ehlers. And Wheeler. Well, that's what we would. From August 2018, you and I recorded with Marat that said they should split up Shifley and Wheeler. And then I posed the question, and you were in agreement, I think, at the time. Like maybe to get Brian Little going again. And this that's is the a, whole anti, thing for me. This isn't an anti Little, he's no good thing. Because I think that's been overstated a little bit. Like people say 
Brian, and I know we've said this before, but um, that Brian Little and Liney don't work together. And people have interpreted that as saying, Brian Little doesn't suck. What's wrong with you? And that's overstated fact. Brian Little could still play in the whatever, the top nine, because there should be three scoring lines. I would, you know, and, and there's better players than Brian Little that I'd put on the third line anyhow. So I, it's not a criticism of him. But I think seeing him and Wheeler back together and leaving Shifley with, you know, line A and then worrying about who the other wingers are after that point. Um, but I think Wheeler moves back to the wing as soon as Little's healthy. And he play, he should play. And again, they couldn't break them up. Yeah. Little and Wheeler. Couldn't yeah. happen. It didn't matter because we were talking about it four years ago. Yeah, yeah. Break them up. Break them up. Oh, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't. Yeah. And then they did because he got hurt. And now it's the same thing with Shifley. Again, yeah. it's a... We're beating a drum, I know, but because that's the thing, and we I talked about this last time we're on was if he's got a, if Maurice has a plan about how the lines are set up, it doesn't matter, right? It just there's no arguing or saying maybe we should do this, maybe we should do that. It's sort of like the Niku thing. Yeah. If he doesn't value puck moving defensemen, it doesn't matter how good Niku is. Yeah. Well, even okay. Uh, and if they want to have two scoring lines. Yeah. And one whatever line and one checking line, then yeah. it doesn't matter. One fourth line that gets Then six they're going to put Shifley and, and Wheeler together. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If that's your philosophy at the beginning of the year, this is how we win. Sort of like the way they do analytics. Yeah. Which is backwards. <laughs> as far as I can tell, they decide this is what's important. So let's make our analytics show that right. rather than the other way. What are the analytics telling us that we're doing right and what we're doing wrong? So it's pretty easy to get good answers when all your analytics are, this is what we want to do now. We're going to do that. Right. And that's what they told us at that open forum. At the fan forum. That's exactly what they said is they make their analytics answer their, their goals, not the other way around. And, and we've talked about this and have some information kind of proving it from, from some different people too. But not only that, but the analytics is telling them that what they're focusing on, they're actually doing well, right. pretty well. Because, but that's easy. That's like saying, okay, I'm going to focus this week on doing the dishes seven times this week. Yeah. So I just want somebody to keep track of that stat. Right. Because it's important for my family, for the house to run well, that the dishes are done every day. And then at the end of the week, I went 1,000 on 1, dishes doing. <laughs> that doesn't mean that it helped the family. It just means that I think it's important Right. To do the dishes every day. Right. It doesn't mean that it's helping anything. And that seems to me how they do their analytics. They think it's important to dump, dump the puck in. He said it at the thing. Yeah. And get there and, and get on the puck. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's helping you win. That just means that that's what they want to do. Yeah. They're not using the results. They're just tailoring their results to say, yes, we're doing what we think we should be doing. And it almost shows like a lack of trust in your team that you could do the good things well, not the okay things well. Because dumping the puck in, putting pressure on it and disrupting it and getting it the puck, you know, 70% of the time is great. If you're able to get it 70% mm-hmm. of the time. We're just making up numbers yeah. obviously here. But carrying the puck in and having it on your stick 100% of the time, you know, is better. And obviously that's ideal. Right. But, but I mean, aiming to do that and then... Like it's you don't commit to plan B, you commit to plan A and then do plan B when plan A is right. not working, right? But they're like, no, 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 we're gonna do plan B, which is obviously not as good and as we're plan gonna B. be the best in the league at it. At Again, he said all of that shit, yeah, to us. This, yeah, it's not like we're making this up. That's no, what they said on the stage. I right? know, I know, and it's frustrating because 
if you if it's, you, well, it's the same thing. That, sorry, it's the same thing they do with the shots against. Yeah, we're going to give up a lot of shots against. We don't care what the numbers say. Yeah. Well, how's that working for you if your goalie's not? Yeah. Stopping ninety six percent of the box. Well, it was really good uh, when they did that on the penalty kill two years ago. They seemed to kind of do something nobody else was doing. And did it well, mm-hmm. and they, uh, you know, had some people blocking shots and everything, but they just didn't give up the seam. And then people started to figure it out, and they just held the puck more and more and uh, forced them to chase a little bit. And then they're getting those seams and exposing them a little bit more. It's crazy. I feel like this year they've done a little bit of that, but it's all it looks. Okay, I'm just kind of switching gears a little bit here, but on the penalty kill, I feel like. I've seen them do that old, like that passive box, small box thing with one guy kind of going out and chasing. But everything about their penalty kill looks like they're not committed to whatever system they're doing. Like it's either just park five guys in front of the net and don't move and block everything, or you need to chase with some aggressiveness. And everything they do, and we've been talking about this for three years now, mm-hmm. everything they do is slow. Yes. They're slow on defense, they're slow. <laughs> yeah. um, Going forward, yeah, they're slow on the PK. They're fucking dinosaurs on the power play. Yeah, like you watch when other teams come in here. Like when Boston was, I think Boston was here, and the puck just flies around on the power play. Yeah, we get it, and it's like 1988 again. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, Elliot to Olison, Olison. Oh, Elliot, he's the one that scored that meaningful yeah, goal. The be- greatest moment in Jets history. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's like, why aren't we doing things that's it's speed. Again, if you have your best players in the lineup, there's there's no forward group in the league I would rather than ours. Right. And we don't move like like we have that talent. Right. Although one thing that um, that they do seem to do or focus on, though, is getting some of those breakaway chances. I, I don't even think we do it that well, but I know that um, that is one of the analytical things that they're focusing on is getting – some of that that quick breakout, but not like a breakout as a group, but trying to like stretch to one guy. Mm-hmm. I feel like Connor gets a couple of those a game or every two games he gets that. I've seen Line get it. I've seen Shifley do it a little bit. Ehlers maybe a little bit too, but I feel like that that's mm-hmm. part of a thing. That's almost like again, you're not trusting that your group is going to bring up the puck and hold it in the end and create some second opportunities from keeping it in the zone and not letting them clear because you pressure. It's like almost like desperation. They're or they're playing scared. Yeah, it's like we talked about last time about how they won't do the cross seam passes or the diving to the net stuff. Yeah, like they won't have anybody pinch and go to the net. They won't have somebody going to the slot. You're seeing a little bit more of it. Yeah, but again, they're clearly not trusting their defensemen. Because they're not even taking chances in the offensive zone. Yeah, They're just letting the play stick to the outside, stick to the outside. They play, and we've talked about this for a long time since Maurice was the coach. They play awesome when they're losing. <laughs> it's fun. They play to their potential because the, the reins are off. Right. And that's to your strength. I know it gets, it gets even tired talking about it. But it's frustrating when you have all of these horses that you draft and developed... Yeah. And you don't get to see them play. I'm glad I'm not a season ticket holder and Patrick Line has one power play, power shift. play goal. <laughs> or no shifts. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I would be dying yeah. <laughs> if I was at every game. I I, I missed uh, the last game, but I saw that we scored a power play goal, so I had to quickly look to see if it was him. Of course, it was Kyle Connor instead. I'm like, why? how is he not getting these chances? Wow. Anyhow, let's uh, take a quick little break. We'll come back with one or two more things, then we'll wrap it up. Sound good? 
I'm Kurt Kielbach, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast. <laughs>